You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Matt. <laughs> and I'm Jim. And I'm Joe. Whoa, a third member to the Amigos. <laughs> Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Joe's here not as a interviewee, but just as a part of the gang. It's kind of like he's interviewing as for a hosting position, though. That's true. It's like when somebody's about to leave. You know what? Do you know what I just remembered? I was doing a little research on the old Conan O'Brien thing. Do you remember that when he like took who's going to take the place? Yeah, of, of Jay Leno. Do you remember that when he was fired, Jay Leno came back? And hosted the show for mm-hmm. another like two years. I totally had forgotten that the moment in stint. history. Yeah, people are mad about it too, right? They, so they were, and I think Conan is still mad about it. But <laughs> anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> so I'm the Conan of the group. You are the Con- well. You're more like the Jay Leno of the group. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're here. We're just working the bugs out here. And- <laughs> 2020. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, yeah. it's a good New Year. So far, so good. And who made it to midnight? I did not. Joe, we were hanging out. You left at about 7.30. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Matt? A few of the Leverins made it to midnight. Yeah. Watch the ball drop. Kalen's really Into disappointed that. that the ball doesn't yeah, literally it, drop. That is really anticlimactic. It just lowers. It truly it's is. very slowly lowering. Yeah. Gently, yeah, about ten feet. <laughs> but I think that that has to be like a holdover from like the nineteen thirties technology when that first came into being. You know, nowadays they could like it could be like a hologram. You could do a lot of stuff, but <laughs> you know, you got to stick with that. Stick with what works, I guess. We made it to midnight on our couch, watching Carson Daly and uh, Steve Harvey. Anyways, mustache goals, right? <laughs> Wow. But here we are, 2020. Uh, we promised that we'd be back with regular scheduled episodes, and we are. Here we are. In fact, we have to be regularly scheduled now because we have an official sponsor. Shout out to the Grace Gospel Fellowship. That's right. Pick up the tab for the Pastoral Calling podcast. Though when I told other people that we had a sponsor, everyone said it's either going to be some sort of mattress company or a meal delivery service, (laughs) which would have been great options. But instead, we have the Grace Gospel Fellowship, which is, for those of you who don't know, the GGF is uh, the group that we're a part of, all three of us. It's a fellowship of independent churches all around the country that share doctrine and... uh, kind of are moving in the same general direction together and we're part of that and we're happy to be sponsored officially by them it's very cool mm-hmm. very cool we're, are we professional podcasters at this point i think probably the people who listen to this podcast think of us as professionals <laughs> i don't think so because most of the people know us <laughs> but we're, if, if we're more know. professional than they are at putting on a podcast man matt Starting 2020 by tearing people down, <laughs> tearing down our fan base. <laughs> it's a reality. It is what it is. We're going to probably cut all of this. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't cut things. Well, uh, we're here and we're just going to kind of spend some time talking this uh, this morning here in Matt's office. It's good catching up with Joe. 
Yeah. How have things been for you? We didn't bring you in on the seasons episode last <clears throat> time. We told you this wasn't going to be an interview, but yeah. Well, now I'm interviewed. Bring um, in Jay. I listened to that episode. I felt like I was there. That helps. Very professional. Yeah, because you asked about the eggnog. The eggnog, yep. I feel like I need to give an update on the eggnog real quick. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. <laughs> because last episode, I talked about this craft eggnog that I bought, and I kind of belittled your $4 Aldi eggnog that you got because of this stuff, the half pint for 7 bucks plus the $2 deposit. After finishing that bottle, I was back at Aldi, and they had the eggnog you bought in the white kind of jug jug uh not the prairie farm stuff no 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 not the cheap stuff yeah so i bought this and i was blown away by that eggnog it's far superior to the stuff that i got wow it's thickness it was almost custardy and it's longevity it lasted me i think we just finished it off like a few days ago like we were doing good tiny yeah exactly yep yep uh, we have an, an espresso machine, and you pour, pour uh, you know, maybe an ounce of eggnog in with into an espresso the shot into the machine and <laughs> brew it. Clog it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so sorry for, for calling you out on that. Well, that's okay. Next year. I feel like we learned a lot in the eggnog department. <laughs> Next year, people can look forward to the Christmas episode where we give our eggnog <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> our top ten. Jay Leno? Wait, that's Letterman. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Joe, uh, last time we talked with you, were you official? Yeah, I was at Parkside. Mm -hmm. And you're still official. I still am, as of this moment. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll update once this actually gets published. How long have you been there now? Um, Two and a half years. Oh, nice. It's pretty new territory, too, because we've never been anywhere that long with yeah. different internships. What's even, the longest you'd been before? I was two years at Celebration, mm-hmm. so everything now is kind of uncharted territory. No man's land. Yeah. It's different, but good. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to know what to do because I've never been in that situation before where you're sure. kind of there indefinitely. So it's been a yeah. There's no end, change. There's no end goal in sight. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of like, that's the... I guess I I remember when I first started at Celebration, I kind of gave myself like this weird, like, I'm going to be here for five years and then I'm going to go to the next thing. And I don't know where I got that idea from, but I remember like eventually just kind of the five-year point came along and I felt like I was just kind of still starting and going and pretty soon just kind of threw all that out the window. I was like, well, here we are. And I think once you do that, that really changes your whole approach to, to yeah. ministry because you're not so much focused on, I'm going to hit this goal and then be done yeah. with this particular project, but you're more just kind of like, all right, I'm here until I'm not here. And yeah. so let's just kind of dig in. In a long period of ministry like that, let's say five years plus, Yeah. are there highs and lows or how do you experience that, that long period of time? Uh, well, why don't you, Joe, what have, what's your experience been? Yeah, there's been highs and lows, um, exciting things and really hard things. Um, I wouldn't say like numbers wise at our church, it's been high and low necessarily, but, um, just different things that have come up have been really exciting, looking to the future, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then just hard things, uh, different issues that have come up. So it's definitely 
not like a roller coaster. It makes it sound dramatic, but definitely you'll have a couple months of kind of nothing, and then a month or so of really high, and then maybe a month or so of low. Um, Is your personality one that's kind of driven by that sort of thing, like um, driven by like the highs and lows? You know what I'm saying? Um, like, do you like that? Do you not like that? Do you? I don't necessarily like that. I try to be consistent in the midst of it all anyways. Yeah. Um, try to model that. But yeah. I'm not like driven by the exciting times and then really right. low and low times. Right. It's kind of right. Right. even keel the whole time or at least try to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it kind of, there's definitely long stretches of just kind of modanity. Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> mundaneness just kind of like the <laughs> post <mud-inism. laughs> uh yeah you know I think so much of it is just kind of just church you know you, you just this is our place and I was thinking about that on actually this Sunday when we were kind of I'm on my way into church and for some reason I was thinking back to like whenever I go back to my home church in Seattle like regardless of how long it's been since I've been away from there, there's always just this sense of like home, even like as I'm driving there, you know, like, like the, the, the trip from my parents' house where I grew up and they still live down I five or up I five, I guess, to shoreline getting off at that X, like everything about that is just so comfortable. And like, this is, this is my place. It's, It's like a groove that you're in. And like realizing that I have that feeling now about celebration. And mm. that makes sense because I've been at celebration for pretty much the same amount of time that I was at that church now. Joe! <laughs> this is why we don't invite you to these things. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, Joe's out to take a cell phone call. <laughs> you are doing such a good job with that story, and everyone's really into the moment. So when you come into celebration now, it feels like home. Yeah, so like that same feeling that I that I would get driving in into Seattle, like I was feeling that coming into my church, you know, and and it is, I I, I am finally at the place where maybe not finally, but like, I guess just slowly you come to this recognition. It's not like you wake up one morning and it's like, oh, this is my mm-hmm. church, but like, I have become kind of intertwined with this place and this community and this congregation and all of that stuff over the last 15 years or so that I've Mm. been involved in this church that like this is now like I feel that same same feeling when I get in my car and I drive down 44th street and I drive up 8th avenue or down 8th avenue (laughs) I suppose and uh and pull into the you know the driveway at church like this is now my place and it's and and I think that that's kind of the the goal, right? Is that it's not this big moment that happens. And maybe for some people it is. Maybe there's something that like really solidifies it in their mind. You know, maybe it's some experience or some sermon or whatever. But for me, it's just kind of investing in this group and just being here in the community, investing in me, uh, where it's just kind of like, wow, this is this is my place. You know, it's very different. Just strikes me as very different than the way 
were sometimes expected to teach and behave even in the university because one of the goals with university students that they have is jobs. Yeah. They want to go out and they want to find a job. And even your first job Hmm. as a pastor is often this milestone of success. Like I got the youth ministry job or I got the, the, associate pastor job somewhere and and the mindset really has to shift in that at some point yeah from this is my employment or how i earn a living to this is who i am and what i'm called to do and then also together with that this is my place or these are my yeah. people yeah and and i <laughs> like i was saying earlier about the whole like five year thing that i set on myself i'm sure that was kind of a result of that not in any way to diminish the education i got here matt uh, sorry, <laughs> I tried, <laughs> but I, you know, you, you do, and I don't know, maybe there's also just like when you're at that stage in life, right? Like you are kind of mm-hmm. changing and moving and growing and leaving this place. And like, you naturally have these, for many people, you have these kind of lofty goals and ideas and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of that, that mentality shift of, of, this is this is it, you know. For 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 as long as I'm here, I'm here. Um, How long did it take you to get to that point where it felt like shoreline too? I think for me, probably the biggest change is when I became the senior pastor. Yeah, you know, because when you're the associate pastor, there is always a sense of I don't know transience, <laughs> kind of in innate in the church. Now there are obviously many associate pastors who have kind of dug in and I think the the two that I think of the the most in this is Gary Hansen who mm-hmm. we had a, had on the podcast who's been the associate pastor at Brian in Seattle for since 2007 so 12 wow. 13 years yeah. and like you you talk to him about it and like he enjoys being part of that church mm-hmm. and that is his primary like um value is being a part of the community and the specific Hmm. job is is less significant the other person i think of is doug kessler uh who is now uh the pastor of a church out here in grand rapids but he was an associate pastor in uh, spokane washington for a long time and he's he was an associate pastor as like a grown man (laughs) you know like a lot of times the associate pastor is like a young lad you yeah Yeah. (laughs) or like me when i first get you know and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you're doing that as like until you can get your senior pastor job, yeah. which I mean, that happened with me and I'm obviously happy about that. Um, but I think that that's an interesting, uh, approach to take to it is not thinking of it as a stepping stone job, but yeah. as I'm pastoring this community, I happen to be given these specific roles and responsibilities and not those specific roles and responsibilities, but that yeah. doesn't determine how valuable my my role is here. Yeah. Is that something you've experienced at all? Like kind of coming to grips with like, what are your roles? You know? Yeah. I think part of it is in seminary, somebody said in one of my classes to make decisions and like behave, um, in your first few years of ministry, wherever you're at, as if you're going to be around for 10 years to (laughs) see the consequences of them. Um, (laughs) and not necessarily in a different role either, but like, you're calling there now, if that's still around in 10 years, you have to be around to experience what happens because of things yeah. that you do. So I've always had that in the back of my mind, and that's been really helpful for me. I think that changes how I act in any given situation because I don't want to 
burn bridges or yeah. alienate people or be too hasty with yeah. decisions. I really like that. That's a great Thanks, Jim. piece of advice. Well, thank whoever told it to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who it was. It was me. I came up with it myself. I think another thing, too, we brought kids with us to Parkside. So we already had like our two oldest kids with us. Yeah. Um, it may have been at celebration for most of their life, which was like two years at the time. Um, but it was a weird transition for all of us coming to a new place and trying to relearn everything. Probably about a year and a half in, our oldest daughter, Nora, called Parkside her church. Hmm. And that was the first time she said, are we going back to our other church or Parkside? And this time she said, are we going to our church today? Hmm. Um, not that we go to other churches every Sunday. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but that was like, she claimed it as her home church without saying that, I guess, all the way. Yeah. And that was kind of like a, okay, our family's transitioning. And then we bring our kids with us every Sunday, which is like my Monday. And so kind of like what you said about Gary Hansen, being part of that community is more important than the title. Mm-hmm. And I think our whole family kind of feels that way too. I mean, as much as a five-year-old can feel that. But <laughs> that was a big shift yeah. for us though. Just talking about being at different churches for 10, 15 years, it was probably eight to 10 years, even being really involved at different levels and even in leadership, hmm. that Michelle and I really felt we could settle in. And I wonder if the- A church or- At, a, at Grace Bible Fellowship yeah. where we are. And I wonder if just because the, you know, in the pastoral role, you're, you're fully engaged, you know, you're 40 hours a week plus. And so probably the, the time compression of, yeah. of that involvement with people yeah for so much of the time speeds the process of feeling comfortable like this is your home. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for the person who's serving in your church or think of even the uninvolved congregant and they're just coming every Sunday, imagine how long it would take for them to feel like this is really comfortable. This is really home or this is my people. I was looking out, I was doing sound on Sunday and I was looking out over the congregation and just thinking about had this kind of gestalt moment where <laughs> where you think about oh, who are the people who are there and who are the people who are singing and, and yeah. the different staff changes that have happened over the years and like mm-hmm. wow we are at this moment and this is who we are right now and this is really good like this there is must have been something in the air this weekend could it happen at your mm-hmm. church too well that's kind of like that mm-hmm. same thinking and thought process that I was having. Maybe New Year nostalgia kind of comes around. It could be in that I often think these are the experiences that my children are having growing up, Hmm. singing these songs, Hmm. hearing this pastor preach. And I can, and I'm at at an age now where I can remember when I was 10 and the songs that we sang and the messages that we heard and who was there. Yeah. And then just thinking, my kids are are at that stage and they're mm-hmm. remembering this too. So just that it was this good feeling, almost like a Deuteronomy six feeling of okay, we're teaching our children, we're passing the faith on to the next generation, and yeah. we're all experiencing that together. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe we're doing okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that's I love that ability to be okay with that. Um, one of the things I often get asked just people making small talk you know and they uh, you catch up with them for a while ask you how you're doing or whatever and they always ask how how is ministry and how your church is going <clears throat> the answer that I that is most true is it's going the same as it was going last time I saw you a year ago or two years ago yeah. but I always feel like that is not the answer that 
I need to give. Like you all, there's this expectation or this feeling of like, I got to say, oh yeah, things are going good. We're in, got these ministries going and, you know, involved in this and whatever, where a lot of times like it, it truly is just, it's just cranking along and we're just, we're yeah. just doing, doing our church stuff together <clears throat> and we're preaching and we're learning and people are coming and people are going and, you know, it's just kind of, it is what it is. And yeah. there, I don't know where that pressure to like feel like we always have to be growing upward mm-hmm. comes from rather than just kind of being okay with going even sustaining or, or maybe even like a withward growth if that is, is, uh, yeah. is applicable. But I think just being okay with sustaining and, uh, and like, that's enough. I think yeah. that's, that's a important step to get to and, I guess maybe I should be better at just being honest when people ask me that. Just say, things are the same, and we're happy about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not the answer they want to hear, though. <laughs> like, oh, okay. There's internal, there's internal pressures that some of us feel, probably in our personalities, but also because of what's normal for us, churches we grew up in, or the ways that we were taught to approach life, or the way we were taught to approach ministry. So there are internal pressures and there's external pressures of the world saying, this is what your church should look like. Yeah. And I'm using world there, I guess a little bit tongue in cheek because those are worldly approaches to church. Yeah. Mm. And they're, they're, they're approaches to church and, and they work on many levels because of the way that wisdom works and mm. you can do it that yeah. way. But if you're really seeking like what's the healthiest possible yeah. way to be? What's going to be best for people? That that sustainable growth approach. What can this community sustain? What what can we change? What can we do to enhance the the healthfulness and flourishing mm-hmm. of the community? Yeah. Is that something that you um, think about at all with your fitness? Experience, you know, maybe at the gym or just you and your wife and or. I think it translates. It translates to how I approach leadership mm. in the church. We we try to have this kind of holistic approach to life and and health, and we try to as best we can model that to the kids. Mm. And I th- I think it's important enough to us that it comes through in how we approach ministry. In other mm. words, as as the church. <coughs> Uh, president of our council, we have a council model, and so I'm the president of the council. Chandler and she, the elder board. Right? <laughs> I tried to go with Supreme Chancellor, but they didn't agree with that. <laughs> the you'll never find me cracking a whip for numerical growth. Yeah, you're never going to find me pushing to move to two services. Mm. You're never going to find me pushing to to do. Let's say. Um, kind of targeted community outreach for the purpose of attracting <laughs> yeah. more people yeah. to our church. Yeah. In other yeah. words, that's if we're going to do VBS, we're going to do it to serve the kids in our church. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do a big outreach effort because mm-hmm. there's other churches, there are bigger churches, more funded churches. Nobody wants to go to a, a shoddy VBS. <laughs> well, that's interesting because, I mean, even saying that, I think we're also conditioned to say, whoa, like, what do you mean you're not going to, you don't want to do outreach because we're all taught all the time that like, mm. if you're not doing these sorts of things, you, and, mm. 
I mean, that that's, I think, an interesting... It's that attractional model yeah. of, of the church growth movement, saying the church needs to be a place that's a community center and hub and attracts yeah. people to it. Now, I think there's a difference between doing ministries that serve your community. So, for example, we have a one-day-a-week after-school program that is with an elementary school down yeah. the street. 10 or 12 or 20 kids will come for the elementary school and we'll serve them. We'll yeah. give them a snack. They do homework. They do yeah. games. They do mm-hmm. a devotion even because we have permission from the school to do that. And so that is a community service that we'll do, yes. but it's not designed to grow the church. Yes. Yeah. I'm also thinking too of a talk you gave at the leadership conference a few, um, a few months ago about third spaces and the difference between outreach that is trying to make your church an attractive place for people to come versus being a faithful presence of the church in the community. In other words, going to the community rather than trying to make the community come to you. And I remember as, as you kind of had question and answer time, people were giving different examples of how their church does that. And they were all, well, we do this at our church. We do this at our church. And you kind of put the brakes on it a little bit and said, hey, let's try to be thinking about this more as third space, not as, like, those are all good things and, and helpful things. And it's great that those are effective in your community. Um, but I think that's that's an interesting thing. Just because you're not doing VBS as an outreach to grow your church doesn't mean that you are not advocating uh, missional, <laughs> you know, to use a kind of previously trendy word, you know, missional yeah. Christian living in the community. Yeah, and as as a church body, we're not necessarily gifted or or equipped with the time and the resources to do a really big attractional ministry. Yeah. And so part of it's knowing your church and how your church is wired. And, and I always think of when we talk about this holistic model, I use this with my family. I use it with education. I use it with the local church. I always think of Wendell Berry, the farmer and American author. He says, um, when you come to the land, you don't come to the land that you're given or that you're stewarding and say, what can I get out of you? What can you give me? Hmm. Instead, you look at this piece of land or you look at this farm and you say, what does it need? Hmm. And that is that stewardship of pastoral ministry is to say, well, this group of people needs Hmm. this, this group of people needs this. We all need, what is Sunday morning for? People are going to come to church one day a week. What is it for? Well, Hmm. it's for corporate worship. It's for reading scripture. It's for hearing the word preached because where else are you going to get that throughout the week? Yep. You can't make that a time where you're trying to attract people yep. Yep. because you're missing the purpose. Yep. And, and we've talked about this a little bit before. It should feel a little strange yeah. to somebody who's never been to church to walk yeah. in and say, why are we all singing two words on a wall? Why are we all singing to PowerPoint slides? This was the smallest <laughs> snack I've ever received in my life. <laughs> I'm thirstier than when I drink the juice. <laughs> Except when it's bagel Sunday and those bagels. Yeah, you come guys out. do bagel Sunday. That's like that's part of your uh, your it's liturgy fellowship. <laughs> GBF liturgy is the bagel Sunday. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that's absolutely true, and mm. I think important to remind ourselves of because 
there, we, there are so many voices telling us to not do that, <laughs> that we need to really be intentional about reminding ourselves that we do need to do this. And, um, one of the ways that I, I remember when I first came to Celebration, I may have shared this. We're getting to the point in having these episodes <laughs> that it's possible that we've shared all these stories before. But I remember when I first came to Celebration, for the first few years, I had a really hard time with the way that we did corporate prayer because like the pastoral prayer in the church service was always like, here's 10 things about 10 people in our churches, naming them by name and praying for these specific things. And at that point in my life, I was still kind of thinking about, well, what about people who don't know these people and, you know, all of that stuff. And I remember kind of um, talking with Paul, who was the pastor at the time about that. And he was very kind of not firm, but I mean, he was just like, well, you know, this is important and people appreciate this and it's good for us to do this. And, at that time, I was still like, ah, yeah, well, well, you know, whatever. But now, like, realizing how critical <laughs> that time is for our church and recognizing that there are, like, yesterday when I was praying, I was very aware there was, like, six specific things that I prayed for with specific people by name. <laughs> and being very aware of this new person who was kind of sitting towards the front, like, she has no idea who I'm talking about. This is just random people to her. But this is important for our church family that we do this and that yeah. this is a part of our worship and I'm not going to change that so that a new person feels more comfortable at our community. Hopefully what they see is, wow, this is a church that like gathers around one another and prays for each other by name. And if that's the type of church that she's looking for or they are looking hmm. for, uh, they will feel yeah that they're that they're welcome here like this is the right place for them but i'm not going to change that for the sake of you know for being attractional yeah so this makes me think of models of church where there's a really strong external pressure for growth, for numerical growth, maybe even for facilities growth, mm. maybe for expansion of ministry where you can see new physical things happening, mm. kind of send this message or communicate to things the are happening here. Things are happening. You're offering dollars at work and you show <laughs> that the ministry is thriving based on yeah. either how much money you spend or more activity. Yeah. That's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you do want a vibrancy mm -hmm. and a healthfulness to create opportunities for a new ministry and people using their gifts and growth, but you also don't want that to overshadow with all that activity what your true purpose as a church is yeah. and how you're ministering to the people and how you're being mm -hmm. the church. And on that attractional model of growth, you bring people to church so they can hear the gospel and then theoretically they get involved saved in a small and group. they stay <laughs> and they get involved in a small group <laughs> and they find out their spiritual, spiritual gift. <laughs> well, at least in our kind of Bible teaching church model, I've never seen that work. <laughs> and it always to me seems a bit of a fool's errand to try to be something we're not. It always like we're trying, we're that kid in middle school where we get all the really yeah. 
fancy clothes right and you show up not that this ever happened to me but you <laughs> put on that new set of clothes and you try to pretend you're something you're not yeah and and pretty soon it starts to show yeah huh. and that's such a you know from an individual perspective like that is like that big breakthrough moment in like personal health or whatever when you recognize that this is who I am and it's okay for me to be this and there's good and bad things about that you know it's not just like be true to yourself whatever (laughs) Nike blah 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 but you know digging into the person that you were created to be and that is definitely true on on a church level as well so what's what's the alternative Joe? <laughs> that's a good question. I think one thing that's been part of my own like spiritual development over the last year is learning to be thankful for things. Mm-hmm. I think I get pretty anxious just about the future and like just in general, like what's going to happen, blah, blah, yeah. family, all that kind of stuff. Um, but something that calms me down or at least offsets some of that angst is like sitting down and writing or voicing things I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that I'm a thankful person and I'm ultimately thankful for all these things that I have in my life. But actually voicing them and like penning them down like does something in me that calms me down automatically like in my body. And so I've been trying to like model that at church um, when I pray up front, including physical things that like we as a church are thankful for. Hmm. Um, helping people to see that it's not ultimately about what's going to happen in five years, but it's about like the goodness that's right here. And like receiving the church as it is, thankfully, and then trusting that God will continue to provide and work beyond that too. Uh, so translating that into church leadership is tricky, but I think it's a lot of like modeling and just being. Um, so that gratitude, that practice of gratitude, enables you to be more like fill in the blank, like in the moment, like in a meeting or in a <laughs> you know when you're meeting with your staff or you're meeting with a board. <laughs> because of gratitude you feel more patient and calm hmm. steady less reactive maybe yeah absolutely yeah I think that in so many instances when I'm talking with people who have medical issues or something that you know an upcoming surgery or they're waiting to hear back from the doctor on these scans and whatever like that is that is the advice I give them right mm-hmm. like you're feeling good today like that's all you can control. Like that is your reality right now. We don't know, you know, tomorrow has enough worries of its own as the good Lord said, you know, how can you just be present in this moment and yeah, yeah. blowing that out to, to kind of thinking about ministry in those terms. I think that can be really helpful. That's, mm-hmm. that's great thought, Joe. It also prevents a little bit of what I find myself doing and we talk about that moment where I'm like looking out over the congregation yeah. and it's like this perfect moment and you're taking it all in in that exact same moment or the next moment I'm already threat forecasting <laughs> how long can this possibly yeah. last like yeah. it can't be this good for very long like something's gonna happen someone's yeah. gonna throw a wrench in it you know yeah. <laughs> some you know sin is gonna crop up or some person is gonna be divisive yeah. or whatever is going to happen like this isn't permanent like I know but I wonder if like that is like the sin that crops up or the wrench that gets thrown in it like that is still like your react like that is still where your church is at that moment you know and so that's part of the rhythm exactly and so it is like we're not 
of course we're not like looking forward to someone falling into sin or whatever, but I mean like you're you're kind of you're creating a community so that when those things happen, hmm. you respond in a particular way based on how you've been growing and shaping yourselves and like that is the reality as much as the tranquility is the reality yeah. that I don't know. What I'm hearing mm-hmm. you guys say, both in thinking about the the pace and the longevity of ministry, but also daily practices of preparing for those ups and downs and all of the things that happen in the course of a of the life of a church, that there's some personal discipline involved in in being prepared pastorally mm-hmm. for those good times and being prepared for the time when the wrench gets thrown yeah. in a steadiness, a consistency of pastoral discipline that leads to patience, mm-hmm. calm, mm-hmm. not reacting to situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think maybe it just comes down to like, what is your ultimate goal in church ministry? And if your ultimate goal in church ministry is to have happy, smiling, growing peace all the time, then you are going to be really thrown off when these people leave the church because of such and such, or you get that text message and says, you know, we stand too much and all <laughs> we sing and all that stuff. But if your understanding of, I don't know what you're talking about. If your understanding <laughs> of ministry is like, we're going to, we're going to work through the messiness like my goal in ministry is to work through the messiness in a faithful Christ-like way, then it doesn't throw you off when those yeah. things happen. Right. Because that's kind of like, that is, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fully expecting it. Yeah. And you just kind of, you know, it, you put on your muddy shoes and you say, yeah, Here we go. It's time to go outside. Yeah, It's not the fence. Yeah. It's <laughs> not a hassle as much as it is just like, and it's easy to say that when it's, you know, something minor like that. I think, you know, I've never been in a situation where there's been a major, you know, kerfluffle. Yeah. I was going to say catastrophe, but I think kerfluffle was a much more, (laughs) much better word. And maybe we should bring some pastors in who have kind of sailed through those waters before and see Mm -hmm. what their perspective is. Um, Because maybe, maybe that's a whole different thing. And, uh, but (laughs) I think the principle is still the same, right? That you are, you, you don't want to say you're preparing yourself in the downtime for the hard time. You know, well, I guess, you know, kind of that's the whole Joseph, right? The seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, it, kind of embracing all of it as this is like the Wendell Berry. This is my land, <laughs> you know, and there's thorns and there's rocks and there's all that stuff. But this is it. Hmm. Well, I think when I was interning with you, Jim, too, you taught me how to uh, handle critique well and develop like a pastoral thick skin hmm. so that when someone criticizes you for something or it's just kind of an offhanded remark you can kind of not like brush it off like they're not important but say okay that's what you're feeling it's legitimate but that doesn't change my calling mm-hmm. and I think over the last uh, six months again I guess I've been trying to do that same thing with like compliments hmm. not live off of compliments yeah um because I think when you're when I was first starting ministry, I wanted those as like affirmation of my calling, you yeah. know. Um, and so being able to be steady in the midst of critique or like affirmation yeah. too, and know you're called despite all that stuff. Um, 
is helpful in all of the the ministry talk too is talking about sustainability and all of that mm-hmm. too so like knowing who you are knowing what you're called to despite positive or negative yeah. claims on you I guess now at the same time I feel like one of the things that someone could be listening to this and hearing okay then I'm just steady in the ministry there's going to be highs and lows I'm just going to kind of keep things the same hmm. and yet there is some kind of internal drive I think it's built into how God's made the church right because we want people to be growing we want them to become more Christ-like we want the whole body to be built up in him like growing with more maturity so there's like the building metaphors in Paul and there's the the strengthening of the body like the physical ligaments and bones uh, that Paul uses in Ephesians and so at the same time as there's recognition Ministry can be mundane, it can be long-term, it can have no real high highs or low lows. We need to be faithful in that. At the same time, there is like a built-in growth that we want for people, we want for our congregations. And so I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit, the way that Hmm. at the same time as there's recognition of this stewardship I've been given, I want to do my best with that so the whole thing's flourishing. Um, and it's not necessarily numerical growth or, or, or visual growth, but it's the growth of the people. Mm-hmm. So how do we, it's always one of the things you try to talk about, like how do you measure that? How do you know? Well, you don't. And that's the, that's the problem is like we are a metrics-based culture right now where if there is no metric on growth or value or whatever, like it's really hard to, 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 to value it. Right. Because that, you know, that's in sports, that's in academics, that's in everything where there has to be metrics and there, there really is no metric except for those little moments that you get. So like there have been moments where somebody tells me like, Hey, uh, I just want you to know that, you know, you, you preached the sermon one time or not even that. Like I've been reading my script, my, my scriptures more and talking. And this has really led me to start thinking this way about my son or daughter who is kind of uh, off and not, not really part of my life. And hmm. this has changed the way that I'm going to approach that. Hmm. And it's those little moments that become the metric that remind you that, yes, you're doing something right yes, this is, this is correct. And those moments, you know, it's like Elijah on the mountain, right? They, they're often that quiet whisper when you're not expecting it and you have to hold on to those things. You know, I sent you guys a text message not too long Mm -hmm. ago with a note that somebody from my church wrote. And, um, I have a stack of like three notes from that same lady who Mm -hmm. just seems to write the things that I need to hear that tell me that she's seeing Mm. that stuff. And there's, there's the, the, the big flaw I think of the church growth movement is that it's relying on those metrics and they just aren't there for spiritual growth and spiritual development they're there in the conversations and they're there in the comments and they're there in the things that you observe when you start seeing that person who is always Mm. politically flamboyant and angry and whatever, when you see them start to not post their stupid memes on Facebook 
as often as they used to, <laughs> right? There's a metric. Yeah, well, that's it. But I mean, like, it, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, the, it's that. And I think that we need to be better at recognizing that and celebrating that and, yeah. and kind of, yeah, just leaning into that. In that kind of pristine moment where I was back at the soundboard, <clears throat> singing's over, um, Pastor Caleb is saying something about our identity being in Christ. Mm. We're not defined by our future or by our past. Mm. My 10-year-old son, Ethan, is behind me and he's listening to that and mm. I can hear him taking that in. And then later in the message, um, Caleb was sharing something about grace theology, which is kind of our you know, kind of our dispensational brand yeah. of theology. And he was using language that sounded really familiar. Like maybe <laughs> I had said some of these things or maybe I had written some of these things. And I thought, oh, sounds really good. Maybe I said that. <laughs> maybe he's <laughs> quoting me. And, and just this deep sense of, you know, not, not about me at all, but more like we are partners in this ministry. Right. We're sharing this together right. from, from Adam, who's our worship leader, to, you know, you know Pat McGillicuddy's over here running the slides, you know, just got back from Florida Man, the previous talk night. talk about like a demotion <laughs> from senior pastor to slide guy. <laughs> he was subbing for his daughter, so he's like substitute Good slide for him. guy. Good for Eastern <laughs> slide guy. <laughs> but it was this, it was a really profound moment, not of just the generational ministry, but of like, we're, we're in this together. Yeah. We're sharing this partnership in the gospel. And, yeah. and it's not, I think a lot of times pastors can feel isolated yeah. and lonely in the ministry. And in addition to gratitude, maybe cultivating that shared sense of we're in this together. Yeah. And even yeah. if that's, even if you are just a, a one pastor in a church, hopefully you have that other elder or you've mm. got a friend or you've got someone that you can meet up with across the country or those three people who always come to every Bible study you have or because you know, right. we all have those people mm -hmm. in our church mm -hmm. that whenever there's something there happening they're going to be there yeah. let's not write them off as oh that's just Lois she's always there but like she is like this is her place and mm -hmm. and she is part of this thing and you're a big part of that yeah yeah. Alright, well, I think we've gotten deep enough for today, huh? Let's save some stuff for the next one. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Happy New Decade. Ooh. Many happy returns. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation. <laughs>